Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. Before I start, just a word about coronavirus. We are going to be wise and follow any instructions the government give us, but we are not going to fear. Amen? We're just not. Let me read you two verses before I start. Isaiah 8, verse 12, do not fear what they fear. Do not dread it. That's a command. Isaiah 41, verse 10, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed. I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Isaiah 43, verse 2, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. Amen? Corona is self-isolating from me, not the other way around. Right. Praise the Lord. So we're going to talk today about through the cross, not to the cross. The difference between going through the cross and going to the cross, you go to the cross when you're visiting an event or a place or something that you are a foreigner to. You go to a place to visit it. And there are many things in in Christian history and literature which say go to the cross. And I understand why we say that. But when you're in Christ, which is what the Bible says we are, as believers we are in Christ. We don't visit Jesus. We are in him and he is in us. And when you're in Christ, We went through the cross. We don't just keep visiting back to it. We go through it with him. Let me read you a couple of verses from Romans 6. And then we're going to go through one of the aspects of going through the cross today. And in future weeks, we'll go through the others. Romans 6 verse 7 says... Uh, For he who has died has been freed from sin. And it's not talking about Jesus. It's talking about us because we're in Christ. Verse 8. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And the whole idea of that passage is we with Jesus. We were with him when he died. We were with him when he was buried. We were with him when he rose again. And we are now in him. We don't visit the cross every time we have an emergency. We Just like a spare tire in the back of your car, it, it's something you visit when you have an emergency and you pull it out and you say, ah! That's what some people see Christ as, but we see him as we are in him. He is the whole car, and wherever he goes, I go. I don't visit him when I have a desperate need. Amen. So, we're going to look at through the cross, and we're going to look at five aspects of it um, in future weeks. Let me just give you a brief overview. It starts with a meal on the Thursday night before Jesus was crucified on the Friday. The Friday was Passover, when all the lambs 
were being sacrificed as an annual festival that the Jewish race would celebrate once a year to remember how God set them free from Egypt. The night before, because a Jewish day starts on the sunset before, so the day of Friday starts on Thursday sunset for Jewish people. And the night before, Jesus had a Passover meal with his disciples, and it was celebratory. He was talking about his suffering, but he was so happy to be having dinner with his friends. And from then, we start a quick downward trend of him being more and more isolated. So he's all together with his disciples. Then Judas leaves. Then they go to the Garden of Gethsemane. He says, pray with me, but they can't. He says, could you not pray with me for an hour? Then they start to um, desert him. As soon as the soldiers arrive, the disciples start running. Peter says, even if they all flee, I won't let you go. Peter denies him within earshot of Jesus. He says, I don't even know this man. So all his disciples have gone. He's all alone. Then the authorities are against him. The soldiers are against him. He goes before the crowd of his people, Israel, and the Roman governor says, should I release Jesus or Barabbas, who's a murderer? And the crowd say, release Barabbas. We want the murderer. We hate Jesus. Crucify him. And he is isolated even more. Then he carries his cross up and he is crucified on the hill, and the crowds are scorning and mocking and jeering at him, and eventually his last aloneness, just before he dies, he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then he gives up his spirit, and he's alone in the tomb, dead as a cold, lifeless body for three days, and then, so that's the low point, and then it starts to rise again. Life comes into his body. There's two angels sitting at the head and the foot of where he's lying. He wakes up. They help him take his grave clothes off. The stone's rolled away, and he walks out, and he meets Mary Magdalene. And she says, my God, when she realizes him, and she's about to clasp him, and he says, hold on, I haven't ascended to God yet. You can't grip onto me yet. Then he ascends to God. There's a huge celebration. There's restoration. Then he starts meeting the disciples, the two on the road to Emmaus. He walks with them for two hours all the way to Emmaus talking. And then as he's having dinner with them, a meal with them, their eyes are open and they see Jesus. And so we go from a meal all the way down, from fellowship all the way to aloneness, and then back up to fellowship again where he has a meal. And then he goes to Jerusalem, and he walks in the midst of his disciples. They can't believe it's him, and he says, have you any food? And they have a meal together, and fellowship is restored. And so the first aspect that we're going to look at today in the through the cross idea is through the cross to fellowship and family again, because Jesus was alone and isolated in degrees of isolation until he was completely alone, even isolated from God his Father, so that you and I can go through the cross with him to fellowship again. I wonder if you've realized that. I wonder if you keep going to the cross. We go to the cross and we see Christ there, especially at Easter time, and we see him hanging on the cross And we mourn and we cry and we say, oh, Lord, you're all alone. You died for me. And you know what he says? Yes, I did. But I'm not there anymore. (laughs) I'm not there anymore. Have you moved through or are you stuck in a rut 
mourning and being alone for something that Jesus already paid for. Because when we're in him, he's paid for it and we can move through it with him. Amen? Please walk with us through the cross this year. It's going to be a wonderful time. We're going to go through for several weeks. And then on Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, when the whole world, the whole Christian world is celebrating Jesus' resurrection, we're going to have a combined service at the Cineworlds, uh, the biggest cinema they have, Screen One, that seats 270 people. We're going to have a big combined service, and we're going to celebrate his resurrection. We're probably going to have communion, and we're going to have the meal that he asked us to have to remember that we are one and we are a family. And even beyond Easter, we're going to talk for a week or two about going through the cross because Christ is not on the cross anymore. Don't you be on the cross anymore. Let's move through. So let me mention a couple of the other things. So I've, I've spoken about isolation. The second one is captivity. He was free at dinner with his disciples. At the Last Supper, he was free. Nothing was holding him. There was no restrictions on him. But then he went to increasing degrees of captivity. The soldiers grabbed him. They, they, more and more soldiers got hold of him. Eventually, they tied him up and whipped him. Then the ultimate captivity, they nailed him to a cross so he couldn't even breathe properly. That is complete captivity. And then death, where he is in a sealed tomb with a, a stone a, a, on the entrance, and he can't, can't get out because he's dead. Captivity. The Bible says he went and preached to the souls who were in captivity in hell while he was there. And then freedom. He's wakes up, he takes the grave clothes off, he's free from the captivity of the grave clothes. The stone moves and he walks out and the soldiers who were guarding the tomb run away in fear. He's free from captivity to soldiers and there is nothing holding him. He is completely free. He can even walk into rooms and through walls and be wherever he wants to be. And then he rises to heaven and he fills all in all. There is nothing holding him. Have you moved through the cross to freedom from captivity, and it could be captivity to anything. That's the second topic we're going to look at. Then the third one is wounding and weakness. He was healthy and fine without pain or weakness in the upper room at the Last Supper, and then there was consecutively more wounding. He was hit. He, he had crown of thorns put on him. He was whipped so badly. And eventually he was stabbed and nails and were put into his extremities. And then he died. But then he came back to life. And all the things that had happened to wound him and to cause him pain were reversed, where he now is completely alive, filling the whole universe. Have you moved through the cross, through pain and wounding, to health and healing? And then lastly, his spirit. He gave up his spirit. And on the cross, the very last thing he did was he said, it is finished, and he gave up his spirit. But then his spirit came back into him on that Sunday morning, and power. And Romans chapter 8 says, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is in you. Have we received the power of his spirit? So we're going to go through the cross, amen? We remember the cross. We honor the cross. We love the cross. We thank God for the cross, but we don't stay at the cross. We move, move through it, and it empowers us to live for Christ rather than living in a historical memory. Amen. Right. 
Let me read you a couple of verses. So, Luke chapter 22, verse 14. Luke 22, verse 14. says this. When the hour had come, he sat down and the 12 apostles with him. Then he said to them, with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Three times in that verse, it talks about desire and fervent desire, and it's the same word that's translated lust in other parts of the Bible. Jesus was saying, I have so wanted to have this meal with you because he knew it was a picture at the beginning of the downward and upward trend. It was a picture of the fellowship that he was gonna have with them again after he rose again. That meal that they had after he rose again was the most joyous meal and he said with fervent desire, I have wanted to eat this because he knew what it meant. And I wonder if you, have such a fervent desire to have communion with other believers, but also for the fellowship that it represents. He said, for I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he was talking about the Passover because they had a special Passover meal on that Thursday night. He was gonna eat meals with them again after he rose again, but the Passover is going to be celebrated in heaven when we all get to heaven at the marriage supper of the Lamb. So that's why he said, this is the last time before we all eat it in the kingdom of God. Then he took the cup. He gave thanks. He said, take this, divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. But behold, the hand of my betrayer is with me on the table. And truly, the Son of Man goes as it has been determined, but woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. betrayed. And that was the start. So they had this wonderful communion together. And I really want us to understand Communion is not a ritual. Communion is not something we do just as a crusty old thing that's because it's always been done. We remember Christ, we remember the cross and coming through the cross, but also 1 Corinthians 11 says, when we eat communion, we are recognizing the body and it's talking about the family. We are recognizing the family that God has put us in and it is a time of rejoicing. We're looking ahead and thinking of heaven, but we're also saying, look what God has done. He's put me in a family. And we know then there was betrayal and isolation and I'm gonna jump ahead to Luke chapter 24 and verse 13. Now behold, two of them were traveling. This is after Jesus has risen again, but not many people know he's risen again. And he picked two disciples who were not even named. He wanted to show himself just to show that he is now available to everyone. He said, now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which is seven miles from Jerusalem, about a two-hour walk. 
And they talked together of all these things which had happened. So it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. And this is how it starts for many of us. We come into church or into Christian things, and we can't quite discern, is Jesus here? Is this, is this really Jesus speaking to me? But watch what Jesus does. He said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? And they described to him all the things that had happened about the crucifixion and, and everything that had happened. And in verse 25, he said, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. The word of God preached is the way that we enter into this fellowship of a family that God puts us in. Verse 28, it says, Then they drew near to the village where they were going. And he indicated that he would have gone farther, but they constrained him saying, abide with us for it is toward evening and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. Now it came to pass as he sat at the table with them that he took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they knew him and he vanished from their sight. It was when they had fellowship in Christ. They had had fellowship with each other. They had even been walking with Jesus. But when we have this meal of fellowship and we celebrate our togetherness in him, we say, Lord, we're not here just as a social gathering. We're here in your name to worship you. And as we eat the meal together, then our eyes are opened. We see him. We see ourselves truly. And amazing new birth can happen in our lives. And then he appeared to the rest of the disciples a few verses later, verse 36. Now, as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, peace to you. But they were terrified and frightened and supposed they had seen a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled? Why do doubts arise in your hearts? Behold, my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see me, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. But while they still did not believe for joy and marveled, he said to them, have you any food here? <laughs> I just love that. So they gave him a piece of broiled fish and some honeycomb, and he took it and ate in their presence. Jesus uses meals as a way of bringing us together. I've got a couple of points about this. Number one is communion. Please can we f stop thinking of communion as something we just do because we have to do it and start realizing the power of communion. When we have the fellowship meal together, the power of Christ is with us. Uh, we recognize the body. We realize we are one loaf, it says. As the loaf is broken up and we eat pieces, we are one loaf in him, and his power is in our midst. Please realize communion is a powerful and beautiful thing, and it's supposed to be celebrated often. Secondly, apart from communion, Christians are supposed to eat together and have fun together. Amen? And then I'm just going to close with Ephesians 
chapter 2. Just talking about this fellowship that we now have. So, he says in verse 11, Therefore, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, do you remember that phrase, in Christ? We don't visit Christ, we are in him and he is in us. In Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made both one and broken down the middle wall of separation having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. He's saying that whatever separations there are between human beings, when we're in Christ, all those dividing walls are broken down. And so racial differences are broken down. Social and economic differences are broken down. Gender, age, all the different things, what football club you support, what political party you are, all of those are broken down, and in Christ we are one new man. You see, everybody knows we need fellowship. We hate isolation, we want fellowship, but the world says you get fellowship by finding people who think the same as you and who look the same as you, and you stick in little homogenous groups of middle-aged white men, or young single ladies, or old Egyptian grannies, or whatever it is. We find little groups and we, we congregate together. But in Christ, it says, no, we are all one. All the different shades of humanity, we are brought together because we have Christ as our Lord. We are in Christ. And because we have a bigger mission, the values of Christ, the Word of God, and, and His great commission meld us together more than any racial group could. And in Christ, we are one. And then in verse 16, it says, that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross. Not to the cross, through the cross. Through the cross, he reconciles us. Are you lonely? Are you isolated? Are you still living on Thursday night or Friday or maybe even Saturday in the tomb and you're all alone and you feel I have no one who knows me, no one who's close to me? The answer is not to find relationships in the world because you can only get close on a physical and a soulish level, but on a spiritual level, you'll never be close. In Christ, we are one. And it's not because we play badminton together, although that's fine to do. It's because we worship him together. We say we are serving a greater king, and that's what makes us one. And when we go through the cross into that, the result is verse 19. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. 
You are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. So I'm going to ask us to pray. Would you stand with me, please? And let's look at ourselves and in the cold light of honesty, just being true to ourselves, say, where am I in the process of going through the cross with Jesus? Where am I? Where am I? Have I gone all the way through to the joy of fellowship in Christ? Where I know other people, they know me, where I'm part of a small group of Christians, we're doing a mission together for Christ, we're eating together, we're getting to know one another, we are becoming closer to Jesus together. Where am I in this process? And if you are not where you need to be, because all of us are on a process, on a road, the great news is we can get more involved, even today. You can get involved in a small group. You can get involved in a serving team. You can start meeting with one or two other believers and praying together. But we need to move through. Please don't just attend church and then leave on a Sunday and think that you've gone through the cross. No, it involves fellowship with a smaller group of people who get to know each other. Lord God, search our hearts. Search my heart, Lord. Help me to not just have communion as a ritualistic meal, but have it as a reality in my life. Lord, help me to fellowship with other people based on you and your word and your values. Help me, Lord, to do your task with other believers and to grow close. Help me to have the joy of the disciples on that night, Sunday night, when you rose again and you had meals with them. Help me, Lord. Help me to move through, through into fellowship. Father, I pray that you would speak even now to each heart. I'm just going to spend a couple of moments allowing the Holy Spirit to minister. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I believe there are many of us here today, and we feel isolated because we have had bad experiences with people in the past. And I want to say to you, please, would you have the courage to step up again and try again to relate to other believers? You know, people let you down, but Jesus never does. But the problem is we still have to deal with people. And we have to get up again and try again. Please, would you have the courage to try again, to reach out, to make yourself vulnerable? If you're a, a lonely person, perhaps a single person, and you're waiting for somebody to invite you or to organize something for you or to push you to join a club or a group or a relationship, can I encourage you today to have the courage to stand up and say, I'm going to make the first move. I'm going to walk across and introduce myself. I'm going to join a group. I'm going to start a group. I'm going to be a friend instead of wanting to become somebody else's friend. I'm going to become the, the friend maker. And I want to say to you, if you are in isolation and you feel like you're trapped in it, God says, I died on the cross. Christ died on the cross so that you could be set free. He was despised and rejected so that you could walk into community into a family, into friendship, into love. Press through, press through. Don't stay 
in isolation. Don't stay in the tomb. Let's move through into freedom. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes. And please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.